Hello and welcome to Murder She Spoke. I'm Caitlin O'Malley and I'm your host of this podcast. Alright guys, I hope you had a lovely weekend. We had a pretty good weekend. We had Chris's cousin and his friend come out from Ontario, which is about a 36 hour drive. So they're actually staying in the back of his friend's um, truck and they've like made a bed and everything at the back of it. And it's got one of those like tin roofs over the top. So they're staying in that. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because they told me the most craziest story ever, um, which was that the night before they came to our house, they were sleeping and Chris's cousin Nick woke up and he felt something tugging at his feet and it felt kind of sore, I can imagine. And he immediately was trying to like find his knife, but it's in pitch black. They can't sit up either because how high the beds are raised, um, it's too close to the roof. So they have to kind of scooch around basically and um he can feel this bear tugging at his foot which i think is crazy and his friend wakes up and he's like um i think there's a bear at the end of the bed <laughs> nick chris's cousin nick is like yep i know and so lucky enough his friend managed to scooch around and close the um boot of the truck so the reason why they have the boot of the truck open is because they're two tall lads who can't fit in a bed lying down. So you have to actually sleep with it open. And they just have basically what you would call like a fly net covering their feet. And when they woke up the next morning, um, the fly net had a massive hole in it. So obviously the bear had been in here. And um, I mean, I don't really know anything about hunting, but I've heard people always say that bear has like a horrible smell. Like it's disgusting. Like re- extreme like wet dog. So um, they immediately knew it was a bear just from the smell. And then the next morning they woke up, like their whole back of their truck just stunk of like bear basically. So they were here like nearly a whole day before they told us that story. And I was like, Jesus Christ, you guys are so like nonchalant about this story. I literally would have been contacting the news and telling the story. I, I don't know what, I'd be broadcasting across the world. And they were just so calm about it. So then the next day, or the next day, then we had all our friends over for a fire. And I was like, guys, you have to listen to this story. And again, they're like, yeah. And then we woke up and there was a bear and it was like tugging our sleeping bags. And one Chris's cousin was like, oh, I had to check my foot because my foot was quite sore after and there was no scratches or anything. And I'm like, isn't that insane? And everyone around the fire is like, what the fuck? Like, it was just insane to us that they were so calm about that story. Like, we just couldn't believe it but lucky enough it was a black bear and like not a grizzly because grizzlies are much more aggressive but i just have to share that story with you guys because it was just such a crazy thing like me and my boyfriend and my whole family actually we camp a lot so that's like my worst nightmare first of all i hate the dark and then to think that there's all these spooky scary animals out there and growing up in ireland we had foxes minks and midges which are these little flies <laughs> that's like the scariest animal you can get in Ireland so like I was terrified when I first moved here about like cougars and bears and you know whatever the hell bobcats and stuff I was like this country has way too many scary animals for my liking um but anyways yeah so that was the story I just thought I had to share with you guys and I thought it'd be a pretty good intro but yeah, so, and then um, for podcasts I'm listening to right now, I'm listening to The Cure for P- Chronic Pain, and it's a fantastic podcast. It's this therapist, I can't remember her name. She's amazing, and she's basically talking about how sometimes we have pain in our body, 
it's not just from like overworking ourselves or lifting something heavy and then pulling something or you know accident that might have happened it can literally be from stress or anxiety or depression and talking about how to like work with that and you know she speaks a lot about how to deal with like coping mechanisms for like anxiety and you know um just like a whole bunch of different stuff or like rage or anger and it's really really interesting and her podcasts are pretty short too so it's not too long to listen to it's about 30 to 40 minutes which isn't bad at all and it's just really nice and she's a really happy person and she kind of talks about like her own problems that she's gone through and stuff and what she's done to help herself so it's a really interesting lesson i would highly recommend it i'm really enjoying it right now and there's already a lot of stuff that i've learned which is fantastic so I'd definitely give that a listen um for tv shows I am just watching again Ratchet I'm still finishing it and I'm also watching I have access to the UK Netflix this app that's called Express VPN which is amazing you have to pay for it so it's completely safe and doesn't give any weird viruses to your tv or computer or whatever or your phone um and you can basically change your VPN to anywhere in the world so right now I have access to Irish Netflix, English Netflix, Canadian Netflix and um, American Netflix which is great so um, right now I am watching Gogglebox sorry Gogglebox which is an amazing UK te- uh, television show I love it it's like so good and then again come dine with me I can you can never go wrong come dine with me so I'm watching those right now on top of Ratchet so yeah that's all I'm watching um I think that's everything that I have to report again thank you so much for everyone who's like sharing my podcast oh and also for the month of October please if you have any scary stories you just want to shoot me a message on like Instagram or Facebook or um over text tell me any spooky story that you have even if it's just like a quick one I really want to hear it so if you have any please reach out to me and I'd love to share them on the podcast for the month of October because I think that'll be really really good to get us all in this spooky spooky season um so yeah please if you do know or know anyone who has a story please send them my way I would love to hear it and they don't necessarily have to come on the show I just really want to you know add something fun into the month of October um okay well that's everything so let's jump into episode four and today we are going to be crossing over the Atlantic to Ireland and we're going to be doing the Scissor Sister Killers now this is a crazy story so sit back and enjoy guys happy listening okay here we go so we are doing the scissors sister killers so started off we have a passerby that finds a leg in a, a canal that's in dublin in the city center um something that ireland has never seen before a tale of death and savagery this is the scissor sister killers okay so i actually remember seeing a documentary probably around the same time that i saw the fred and rosemary rest documentary and it is one that again that stuck out in my head and I'm kind of trying to do my podcast from like all over the world um I had a co-worker she was like oh you should actually do a podcast from like a different country each episode and I guess I'm kind of doing that in a way because I do want to get ones from all different parts of the world not just American or Canadian um I really want them from all over the world so that's why I went straight into the Scissor Sisters um and yeah so just it's such a crazy story and um again it stood out in my head I remember seeing it at such a young age which I probably shouldn't have but I did see it 
and it is just a crazy story that happened in Ireland. So we have sisters Linda and Charlotte Mulhall also call the Scissors Sisters by the media. So they got that name from the media when everything started coming out. They're from Dublin, Ireland, and they're known from killing and dismembering their mother's boyfriend's body. And his name was Farah Noor. Um, so this was in March 2005. And basically he was stuck by a strongly, uh, sorry, a Stanley knife by Charlotte, one of the sisters, and hit by a hammer by the sister Linda. So basically they had a falling out um with him while the mother was there so the mother was there the two sisters everything um his head and penis were sliced off and the rest of his body was dismembered and they dumped the body in the royal canal in dublin city uh 10 days later a leg still wearing a sock were spotted floating near croke park by locals so uh croke park first of all is like where you go to see like the rugby matches and the Gaelic matches and hurling matches and stuff. Um, so it's a pretty it's a pretty popular area. Um, so then there was a, a manhunt to hunt down who had committed this crime, and major major media attention. Like it even got all over like Europe and England and everything. So it was mad. It just spread like wildfire. The sisters and the mother were arrested. Um, the one sister, Linda, confessed the crime when they were charged with the murder in 2005. And unfortunately, the dad did hang himself um, due to, I think, you know, it was just too much for him. Um, not that he had anything to do with the, the murder himself, but um, he did commit suicide in Phoenix Park, which is very sad. Also a very public area. Um, the media dubbed the sisters as the uh, Scissor Sisters. And Justice Paul Carney, presiding over the trial, said, uh, quote, it was the most grotesque killing that has occurred in his lifetime, end quote. Um, so Charlotte was given mandatory life sentence and Linda was given 15 years. Both sent to the same prison, Mountjoy Women's Prison in Dublin. Uh, Nora's head and penis were never recovered, which is mad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where they would have put that. Um Linda later admitted that they put the head in a rubbish bin around Phoenix Park. Um, and then this is just kind of like a rundown, basically what's happening. I'm gonna go into more detail. But basically, then they moved the head like multiple times, and one of the times that they moved the head, they actually put it in one of um the sister's son's school bags and brought it on a bus and then burying it in a different field, which was just mad. So um linda gained more media attention um as she slit her wrists in jail and she was sectioned then in the women's jail um charlotte got more media attention when there was a photograph released of her holding a knife to a male prisoner's throat as you do um the action resulted in increased security so after it actually this all happened um there was an increased security in all irish prisons after these two were brought in um, I guess they just really, really tested people. Um, Charlotte was actually moved then from Mountjoy to Limerick Prison. Um, and then this case actually resulted in several books and a TV show, which was just RTE um, doing a little bit of a snippet. It was probably about a 45 minute episode of um, this killing. Um so said by the Irish Independence Legal Affairs correspondent Derville MacDonald to have basically said she um, 
to fuel the fears of rituals in Ireland. So this is something that Ireland had never really seen before, something so gruesome in, you know, modern day. Um, it was quite intense. So we move on now to the family background. Um, the Mohals were from Kilclare Gardens, um, and it was just just like a working class area um, of Tala, which is South Dublin. Um, the parents, John and Kathleen Muller, raised a family of three boys and three girls. So pretty big Irish Catholic family, as you do. Um, Kathleen was an ex from the traveling community. Um, so there isn't really a way to explain the traveling community unless you just uh, Google my big fat gypsy wedding. <laughs> and then make sure you look up the Irish one because you know, there's English gypsies and there's Irish gypsies. They're pretty similar, but just um, just have a look and see for yourself. It's very hard to explain. Um, so John Mulla allegedly abused Kathleen. Like they had a very abusive relationship. Um, a lot of alcohol and drug substances abuse in the house. So, um, but basically Kathleen started this relationship with Noor um, in around in and around 2002 um but she was still married to john and john actually was still living in the house when kathleen decided to move noor into the home so this of course causes a lot of friction and divide in the family so anyways moving on to the daughters um linda mulhall was 30 at the time of the killing she's unemployed she has four kids of her own um, her ex-husband was actually in jail for the murder of two different people and um, she herself suffered from like um, heroin and alcohol addiction so there's it's from a broken home definitely you know when you have parents that are acting the maggot like that it's it's very very hard um, the girls were extremely close with their mother even though everything that has happened they really stood by their mother and their father they were very close relationship with them and the relationship with the mother was almost so it was like a friendship rather than a mother-daughter like um, role model like if the mother was like oh let's go do this like let's all get drunk and you know go out in the town they would go with their mother whereas I don't know I I find that quite strange and the fact of everything that like you know these two daughters had just murdered her boyfriend and they're still that close with each other I think is quite crazy so it's definitely a different mother-daughter bond probably pretty unstable relationship as it's more so like a friendship um so Charlotte Mulhall was 21 at the time of the murder like her sister she had a problem with drug and alcohol abuse she had multiple charges before the murder she also was investigated for being a sex worker as well so the guardy so the guardy are basically what we call um police or guards you know um, it's just the Irish word for our police officers, basically. So on Garda Síochána is what it's fully called. So the Gardaí claimed the upbringing was troubled and tough, which made it really hard like during the trial because you can see these two girls are obviously just coming from like a troubled home. So Nor was um, 40 the night of the murder. So he arrived in Ireland on December 1996. He claimed he was a Somali uh, refugee escaping from the Somali civil war after his family had been killed. Turns out uh, Nora was actually Kenyan and his family was still alive. So he's always trying to create this spiel. Um, he was ordered to be deported in 1999 after a number of criminal offences. 
um, and um, he actually had abused this woman who was disabled and he sexually assaulted her and she ended up being pregnant with one of his kids um so she gave birth to a son which is so sad so this like special needs girl has been like attacked which is just disgusting like it's absolutely horrible like what a fucking loser um and she becomes pregnant so therefore now he has an irish born child so i'm pretty sure that helped him stay in ireland which he doesn't even deserve to be there the dirty rotten bastard um so then other women claim that he was also the father of their children as well but from rape so nothing nothing was consensual so right of this man is a violent man um nor faced eight charges of order and assault including a knife that was found by the scene so nor actually has an extreme obsession with knives there's knives everywhere he's obsessed with them he's a very very violent man um, and then he was convicted three times, but never served jail time for all these crimes, including raping a disabled girl and getting her pregnant. And then, of course, raping these two other women. Like, I don't understand how on earth the justice system works. Like, what the actual fuck? Like, I mean, when you find out what happened to him, I mean, if it was, if it wasn't out of like just craziness, he deserved it. Like, he's just a rotten little pig. Um, so people always described him as extremely violent especially towards women and that's something that the guardy noticed as well so again moving on kathleen still found something attractive in him i guess and she did move him into the home of again when she was married to her husband john which is just so uh, like for those kids that must have been such a weird dynamic in a household um to see and like maybe that's how they perceive relationships and stuff as well as just from going from pillar to post right so anyways we're going to move on to the building up of the killing so linda charlotte kathleen and nor were drinking heavily in dublin city center um the night of the killing um nor bought vodka and kathleen bought a bottle of coca-cola they drank around the city and they were heavily intoxicated and then they started heading over towards the River Liffey boardwalk where um, Charlotte had actually bought ecstasy pills and then Charlotte obviously offered one to Linda so the two sisters had one and then Kathleen, the mum, she's like, oh, what are these two doing over here? So she goes over and she asks them, what are you guys taking? And they say, well, we're taking ecstasy pills and like any other mother would be like, you know snap them out of her hands throw them in the river and you know give them a smack or something <laughs> the mom decides to take one with them so as you can see what i was saying earlier on that they have more so like a friendship than a mother-daughter relationship with discipline and stuff absolutely none of that so they went up to their flat and kathleen claimed they were all on the same buzz and having a great old time or as we say in ireland they were having the crack um very common irish uh, word that we use so anyways moving on then linda and nor were sitting on the same two-seater couch when charlotte was sitting on um the edge there just on the edge of the uh, sofa and nor started touching linda in a sexual way and he was speaking in her ear all sexually and not letting go of her waist which is just so gross so then kathleen the mum starts screaming and saying just please kill him just please kill him like she's sick of him now they're off they're both all three of them i guess all four of them are off their rockers 
So nor I don't think took any of the ecstasy, but you know, all three of them were just losing their minds, drunk and high, and she the mother is screaming, just kill him, just kill him. Like, you know, I don't think she probably meant literally, but we soon found out the daughters took it that way. So Charlotte picked up a styling knife that belonged to Nor and struck him across the throat, causing him to fall to the floor. So it's very gruesome already. It's just violent from it went from zero to literally hundred in a split second so Linda then struck him on the head with a hammer so Charlotte has struck him with the knife across the throat Linda then comes along gets the hammer and hits him numerous times on the head Kathleen um the mum did not participate although she was watching she didn't look away once so um she was there and she was fully aware what was happening did not try and stop it at all nor was stabbed over 27 times investigators actually couldn't tell how many times he was stabbed because there were so many wounds wounds sorry and plus the body had been so dismembered that it was really hard to tell linda and charlotte then took him in the bathroom where they dismembered the main the remains of his body um nor's head and limbs and penis were um severed with a kitchen knife and hammer like i can't even imagine like what is going through their heads at this moment in time um again just off their rocker uh, they put towels over his legs to stop the flow of blood. As you can imagine, there's tons of blood. The, dise- the dismemberment took uh, a number of hours, as you can imagine, them just using a kitchen knife and a bloody hammer. Uh, the body parts were put in rubbish bags and then in a football bag, or like a duffel bag or whatever you want to call it, and were taken to the Royal Canal. This took the three women several trips to do. Um, they decided enough to throw the head to keep him from being identified. Um, the head was brought to a bus to Tala, uh, where they walked to the shopping centre to Shaw Memorial Park and they dug a hole with a knife and buried his head. Um, Linda, a few days later, moved the um, moved the head to like a different field with one of her schools. Uh, sorry, with one of her son's school bags, and buried it again and then she also smashed it numerous times again before burying it so this woman obviously has you know an extreme hatred towards this this guy here um kathleen threw the knife and the hammer then in the pond so the mum threw the knife and the hammer away so moving on then to the guard the guard the investigation so the killing only came to light about 10 days after the incident um which is quite a long time, you know, considering his body was floating around in the Royal Canal. Um, so a passerby found the leg with a sock on it. Um, and it was floating down the canal close to Croke Park. So again, a very public area. Like these women really didn't think about what they were doing. So the guard, the scuba diving team, recovers most of the body in seven different parts. Um, trace the identity through the media appeals. Um, Norris was identified due to the t-shirt he was wearing um, uh, the, on the part of the torso that was still there that they could you know identify with um, so a Somalia man was a key witness to and uh, he actually had helped like crime stoppers and he was actually given or I guess rewarded a, a substantial amount of money for helping and you know being a key witness to this and I guess like Crime Stoppers is all over the world because I always thought Crime Stoppers was like an American thing but it's actually everywhere. Uh, and so to this day, Nora's penis and head were never found. 
And the sisters and the parents were arrested in August but denied doing had having to do with anything with the murder. Um, a number of weeks later, Linda called head investigators and admitted her involvement with the killing. So she obviously caved in and wanted to call in and be like, yeah, no, I can't take this anymore. I did it. And she probably knew there wasn't much more they could do, especially if they were starting to, like, you know, question them and investigate their house. Um, that would have been bad on their half if they had not just caved in. So um, Gardy took a voluntary statement in her home in Tala in August 2005 um there was no progress in the case until um you know they had this break of Linda coming through and being like I actually had something to do with this so um here we go like there is a little bit of movement now they have someone admitting to what they've done to the crime so for a long time like I'm guessing now it's like two weeks maybe even longer like four weeks later they finally cracked something and have moved forward in the case besides just finding body parts um, when Gardy searched the house there was, um, where the killing had happened, they found bloodstains that matched the DNA to Noor. So immediately, there you go, you've already found out. And then after Linda's confession, her mother Kathleen fled, to, fled the country and she moved to England. And she wasn't found until 2008, so almost, God, like three years later. Um, after, you know, admitting to the crime, the mother is gone. And the mother actually didn't take part in the killing. She was more so you know, watching it and keeping quiet from the police. She's just hiding things and disrupting the investigation, basically. So Linda and Charlotte pled not guilty when the Central Criminal Court, when they were charged with murders. They were like, no, it wasn't us, even though already they went to um, confess. Well, one of the sisters did anyways. So their trial took place in October 2006, with the two of them being found guilty. And Linda was charged with manslaughter, uh, and Charlotte was guilty of the murder of Noor. Um, Charlotte was given a mandatory life sentence and Linda a 15 year sentence for manslaughter. Uh, Kathleen was charged five years in prison for misleading the guardie and the whereabouts of Noor and um, a huge amount of other offences too. So she was just already in the bad books of the police regardless if she didn't take place in the mur- didn't take part of the murder or not. So unfortunately then when all three of them got charged John Muller the father of the girls and the wife of um Kathleen did commit suicide by hanging himself in Phoenix Park after the girls were charged but it's still not believed that he had anything to do with the murder um to this day so unfortunately you know it's really sad because these kids did come from like a broken home and never really had like the best upbringing themselves um especially with like heroin and like a whole bunch of different drugs and alcohol in the house so um those two women were put away in jail and so was the mother but unfortunately you know the rest of the kids had to be put like you know social workers have to come and put them into homes and you know sort sort their own kids out like linda had four kids of her own and I think that's really sad that she wasn't fully there for them and then all of a sudden she's been put in jail for you know beheading a man and still again to this day they have not found the head um I don't think they'll ever tell them where the head is and of course there was like media attention then brought to the prison of her saying that you know she does know where the head is and you know she's kind of like tiptoeing and teasing around the fact that she knew where the head was 
and uh, just grabbing media attention for like so many different things and then she was saying again that someone in um, the jail with her actually took part in the murder and you know it wasn't actually her and she didn't actually do the murder and she's trying to like backtrack all her words and stuff so it's a very very sad case in that sense of like you know in Ireland I wouldn't consider it a very violent country but apparently in Europe out of all of Europe Ireland has like the highest murder rate which I had no idea when I was reading this and I was watching one of the documentaries I had no idea like I mean maybe from where I'm from um I didn't see much of it but I know there's like bigger cities like Dublin and Limerick and Belfast and stuff you know you always hear of like gang related stuff and um like not your usual gangs that you see in like or you hear about in like America and stuff it's very it's very different <laughs> in their track suits and their Nikes um and their transit vans uh it's it's very very different type of um environment and it does happen and there's actually a really really good show um that I remember came out and it was uh, an Irish TV show and it's got Robert Sheehan in it and he is in like in the the Umbrella Academy and he was in Misfits and um I loved him in Misfits oh god he was so good looking um that's a really good show too if you haven't got to see it but it's called Love Hate and he's actually one of the main characters in it so I actually was never allowed to watch it because it was so violent um but I remember like my mom and dad absolutely loving it and raving about it it was just so good and it's basically just about like the drug lords of like Ireland and stuff and how it, it is a quite a gang related country and stuff so I mean it does happen definitely and I think I'd have to be pretty naive to believe it didn't which I was I had no idea we had one of the highest murder rates I think it was like a murder a day that happens in Ireland was what I was reading don't quote me on that um I can't really remember but it was something along those lines which is just crazy but anyway so um yeah that is the story of the scissor sisters I'll be posting a picture of them on my Instagram and Facebook and everything um I hope you enjoyed this one it's pretty messed up um you know those family killings where sisters or mother and daughter or dad and son come together are just so messed up so anyways I hope you enjoyed that please don't forget to rate review subscribe follow the whole shebang tell your friends about it um the more people from everywhere in the world gets to listen to this the better because then it's people who are sharing it everywhere left right and center so if you could please do that for me and thank you for the people who have been doing that i really appreciate it um and yeah uh i think that's everything that i have to say um thank you for listening oh and again if you know anyone who has a spooky story send them my way um and if you have any like a true crime story from wherever you're from in the world send it to me and i can look into it and see if i can do it so if you know of any good canadian ones or any good English or Irish ones or Australian ones or French ones wherever you are send me a message and I would love to hear um some ones like they don't have to be big ones they can be ones from like small towns so I'm really excited for my next episode that I'm going to be doing as well I think it's going to be a good one but um yeah I hope you have a great day and thank you for listening goodbye